just so y'all know, please, um, you can fast forward all of my episodes um, to about five minutes in just because that is my intro music. Um, since usually this is a video podcast, um, I have a countdown of five minutes. So please do if you need to.
what is going on everybody good morning still right yeah it is still morning <laughs> um thank you everybody for joining uh just to introduce myself my name is eric velasquez i'm interviewing the city of san antonio um candidates for the 2021 election that's coming up here shortly as you can see on the bottom april 19th april 27th is the early voting and may 1st is actual election date um I always encourage just to go early vote because there's not a lot of line. There's not a long line. Usually it depends on where you go. But um, keep in mind, San Antonio or Bear County, uh, you do not need to go to a specific voting um, location or polling location. Uh, it's anywhere uh, citywide or countywide. So you can go do that. Uh, and that's on early voting and election time as well. So, um and just a reminder, uh, anybody who is joining on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, you can actually jump into the conversation um, just by selecting the link below um, in the comments section. Um, and I can go ahead and, and I'm going to post it on there. You can actually jump into the conversation, ask a question directly to the candidate, uh, or you can just type in the comments uh, and it will relay that posted on the uh, screen. So that way our candidate, our candidate can uh answer the question and Instagram. Um, you'll just basically type in the comments as well. And I'll just go ahead and relay that question over to, uh, to the candidate. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in our next guest. Hey, Sarah. Hi, how are you? Good, good, good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm really excited to, to have a conversation about, about schools and policy. Right, um, right. Two of my favorite subjects. <laughs> <laughs> um, so go ahead and introduce yourself and, and tell people uh, what you're running for. Yeah. Uh, again, my name is Sarah Sorensen, and I am the candidate for uh, District 1 uh, for the SAISD School Board. And I'm the candidate who's running on the Schools Our Students Deserve platform. There are four of us who are running as a slate on this platform. And it's a platform that's been designed uh, with students, with community organizations and community members, school workers, teachers, and families. Uh, it, and it's a platform that centers our voices. Uh, in school decision making and lays out a vision for democratic uh, control of our schools and and supporting academic excellence and um, and democratic uh, values and so it's a platform I'm really excited to be running on I'm really passionate about it's um, been an advocate for public schools for a while here in San Antonio and this platform is completely in line with my my values and my vision and I'm incredibly excited to be uh, running on that platform and thank you for sharing that in the chat so other folks can take a look at it I'm it's it's an amazing document um, so please take a look um, it's really exciting and inspiring and um, a vision that I think is worth all of us coming together to to work towards um, a little bit more about me I'm a, I'm a parent in the district um, and I've been an active uh, volunteer at, at my my child's school for several years now, ever since um, she enrolled as a kindergartner, you know, showing up for PTA and for events and committees and all sorts of all those great opportunities that we have at school to be involved. Um, so that's a, a little bit about me. Cool. Um, and let's show everybody the map here. I'm going to pull it up on my screen. I always forget to do this, and I apologize for everybody that I, I keep forgetting to share these because these are kind no, of. No, thank you. <laughs> um, yes, and it's it's a little bit of a confusing. Map. Oh, where to go? Where to go? Um, it's hard. It's tiny, right? <laughs> where is it? Oh, it's yeah. the gray. 
Yeah. So That's it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, hold on. Yeah. It's no this problem. gray part right here, right? This. Yeah, it's the gray part. So, um, let me. You know, I can give you another link too that gives you to a, a map that folks can plug in their addresses, and it will come up with what district it is. It's important to know the school district lines don't line up with the city council lines. So I know a lot of folks say, "Oh, I'm in I'm in District One in the city, so I must be in District One in the school <laughs> district," and they're not necessarily aligned. Um, my district essentially kind of it starts. Um, at the south end, a part of Lone Star and then and Lavaca and moves sort of in kind of a narrow strip up through um, King William. Um, uh, there's a little bit of the Gardendale, Tobin Hill, uh, Dignity Hill, Denver Heights, I'm skipping order there, but um, government. I believe Hill this, is, this is 35 right here, right? Uh, yes, that is 35 right there. And there's a, even a little tiny piece on the other side of Fort uh, Fort Sam that the, um, I think it's the Bell, Bellmead neighborhood that's in it and Bonavista's in it. It's, it's this little narrow strip that kind of <laughs> extends right through the center of downtown. This is Broadway, I'm assuming, this one right here going. Yeah, I think down. so. Yeah, let me there. see if that, let me, um, give me a minute. I'll try to multitask and look up two things at once. Um, I will show my age here. So we can show that. right here, it goes up. This is 35, this highway right here. And this is the kind of the Fort Sam area, but like in front. Yeah, um, I believe this is Fort Sam right here, so it's not included. So it's just in the uh, um, all the homes that are around in in the in the front of it. Um, and right. it goes down through some. Well, actually, downtown, right? Yes, um, it's really yeah, largely downtown. Yeah, let me. I'm going to give you this link here. I'm going to put it in our. And then maybe you can share. Yeah, Lone Star District's right here, and it goes a little bit over uh, I-10 and 90 right here, but that's that's the cutoff right there. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. so I just shared in, I think, our in our chat, so maybe you can share it with a larger group. I mean, it's a um, a map that the, the San, organizers of the San Antonio Alliance have put together that you can plug in your address, and you can find out which district you're in, and it's been very helpful um, uh, to share with folks. Mm -hmm. um, okay, well, yeah, this yeah, and that map is maybe a little bit clearer because it uses Google Maps. I've yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All yeah. Right. So right, okay. and, and the important thing is not oh, all of yes. the, Yeah, it's great, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, um, there's a tiny little square. I don't know. I don't know what that is. <laughs> island. Is SAI like, is yeah. the island. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. So that kind of, yeah. So yeah, hopefully you guys can see that a little bit better. Um, and if you're part of the island, I mean, I don't know why, but you're part of the island. Um, yes. But yeah, so definitely uh, use this to, um, where do you go here? Hold on. Uh, uh, oh, okay. So you click on the map and then you actually, just type in your address, I'm assuming? Yes, you can type in your address and um, it will tell you what district you are in. Okay. All right. Yes, there you go. 
So, okay. So, yeah. So, there you go. So, if you want to look it up, you can do that there. Um, and let's see here. I'll just copy and paste it onto the... Um, <laughs> and again, this is not... I'm not... I'm not uh, endorsing anybody. Um, <laughs> right. doing this, so You're providing information. And right which information. Is, yeah. And um, these these races are usually pretty low information. So it's it's mm -hmm. great that people like even just the basic information about what what district you right. live in is really important. Um, we don't always know that. We don't always um, uh, are you know pay attention to that until it, until it's election time. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so tell me why why the school board? Why did you want to go in? Um, it's a non-paying position. Uh, yeah. So why 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 do that? Yeah, that's a great question. Right? It's a lot of work and and no pay. Uh, really, it's it's the platform. It's the opportunity to run on this platform. I I think this is a, a vision and and. A, a goal to work towards that I, I would like us as a community to talk about and create spaces to make this happen. And, um, you know, being asked if I'd be interested to run on this platform, uh, like, you know, it took me a little while to think about it because it it's a lot of work. Um, but I want to create the space for this and um, I want to to be a part of this. And, and, and that's why that's why I'm running um, running now. Okay. Um, so what, what are some of the things that, that you see that are being done at the school board level that caused you to say, you know what, I, I, I want to change this because there's obviously there's some, some type of motivation for, for most people. Um, <laughs> unless if you're just picked by somebody, I mean, it's a, I don't know. That's why I want to know. Um, right. No, that's a great point. Right. Yeah. There's something, you know, the platform is great and it's a vision, but there must have been something, there was a reason that I was coming and I was open to this, this platform. Mm. And yeah, I, you know, I've been an advocate with other parents in the district um, really for several years now, pushing for a greater community voice and greater transparency in the decision-making because that has been the piece that's missing from our democratically elected board, from our elected representatives has been um, this openness to the community and this willingness to engage in meaningful uh, discussion. And we have seen major policy shifts and major um, changes happening in our district and they're happening, those decisions are being made behind closed doors um, by the time they're they're brought to the community, they are done deals. Um, we are left uh, trying to react to something that's that's already that's already done. Um, one example, I think, one of the most egregious examples is um, two two years ago. Yes, two years ago, our district signed partnership agreements at 18 campuses um, with virtually no. Um, public discussion. I found out about them when a parent at one of the schools that was going to be entering into a partnership agreement um, texted me or called me and said, what is this that I just read about in the paper that the board is meeting, you know, going to vote on in a couple of days? What is this partnership? I'm active at the school. I'm in the PTA. I've never heard of this. What is this? And um, it turns out, yeah, our district, um, you know, chasing funds from the state developed partnerships with 
Uh, they were all nonprofits. Some of them were nonprofits that were created really like within a week or two before <laughs> the contracts were signed. And um, they gave control, significant control over our schools to these organizations. So it's it's staffing, it's budgeting, it's curriculum, it's scheduling, it's class size. Um, all of those decisions are the responsibility of these partners. So what are you um, going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I what? So then, what's the point of having a school board? Then, I mean, yes, you know exactly. I mean? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I'm just asking because I, I, I'm still trying to learn this. But from what you're saying, that 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 doesn't make any sense of why yes. you would have an elected school board then. Right. Well, it makes sense from this perspective of our our state, right? We have a very anti-democratic state leadership and, and democratic with a big D uh, or little D. Wait, yeah, the, not the party, the process. Yeah. Um, and they they would love to see all of our public schools become charter schools. Um, and that's what this program is an incentive to do. So our districts will give control to our partners who will take management of our schools. We will be reimbursed at a higher per student rate than we were before and at a rate that's actually comparable to what the district pays charter schools per student. Um, and then we end up with a network of charter schools and a board that sort of symbolically has minor um, control over the, this network. Um, that is the vision, um, and that is the goal of our of our state leaders. And we are we are incentivized to take part of this because it's extra money that we desperately need. But it's a huge trade off, and it's right. a trade off that we have to have a public discussion about. We have to decide, you know, is is are the are the downsides to this worth it for us as a community? And we have not, ha our board has not engaged in that discussion. Um, and actually when you ask questions, they kind of just shove you aside and say, no, trust us. Yeah, I know. We've got this. <laughs> and as a taxpayer, that is, that, I find that insulting. <laughs> why, why is anybody talking about this? This is actually the first time I've heard of this specifically. Um, uh. Yeah, no, I think you're, you so one, it's a, so it's innocuous language. We use the language of partnerships. And we learn that we use the language of innovation. So there's two types of partnerships under this program. We have turnaround partnerships. Turnarounds are for schools that have been deemed to be failing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now like, we have innovation. Uh, we, were, we were actually just talking about this. I think it was South Sand or Southside ISD that doesn't have any school board right now. I think they're slowly transitioning over back to elected board mm -hmm. members so um and i think harlandale is under investigation as well with yeah. that current issue last year so is that is that what you're talking about same so it's not exactly the same but they're linked right so we have a really punitive public education system in the state so we have a state that will come down hard on schools and on districts and boards when they think that folks are getting out of line. And so uh, some of this, I would actually argue some of the policy and the, the marketing and the games that our, our board members are playing right now is out of fear of a state takeover, right? You have to play nice so that they don't come in. <laughs> um, and it's the system is designed 
to be that way. It's designed so that we're all operating under the fear of a, of a takeover at any point. Um, the fear of being labeled as a failing district, the fear of losing funding. Um, that is that is the you know the environment that our, our state um, lawmakers have made uh, created for us in our public schools. So so I mean, but isn't that good though because it's kind of like accountability or is it too much? It's too much. So for example, let me um so um Two years ago, Rodriguez Elementary um, was slated to be shut down. They were deemed a failing school and had been a failing school for a period of time, which may, meant that the, the state was requiring that they shut down or get a turnaround partner. The district chose without any discussion from parents that instead of seeking a turnaround partner, they would shut down the school. If the district didn't shut down the school or get a turnaround partner, the state could come in and take over the entire board. So the state is saying you have to shut down the school, sign it over to a private partner, or we come in and take over your board. So it loses our public control. It's a threat to our public control. And I'm not sure what the, the accountability is in that. Um, uh, you know, the, certainly the, the state isn't coming in beforehand and making sure that the district's investing in Rodriguez to make sure that it gets the grades up and and um, and parents at that school have document documented how the years before they were forced to close, they saw a drop in investment and resources from the district. And so the state had no interest in coming in and making sure that they were getting the money that they deserve. But it did say, well, you have to close it or we're going to come in and take over your board. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. what, and what district was that? And so this is SAISD. Yeah, oh. this is. So Rodriguez is right by Our Lady of the Lake University. It was, oh, um, it was actually really a heartbreaking um, process to go through because the kids and the parents, this was a beautiful school. <laughs> Um, with a really great community and they fought so hard to keep their school open and those kids um, have now moved to Carver Hall um, which was an early childhood center and now is early childhood through um, fifth grade and Rodriguez is reopened as a Montessori school the way and the other piece is the way that state policy works is the kids who attended that school before can't come back they have to reopen to a new new population. So maybe their younger siblings can come back, but then you're stuck sending kids to two different schools, even if they're kind of close. But the kids who went to and loved Rodriguez can't come back to Rodriguez. They are at a different school now. And so it's, it, it's, and the state will tell you, you know, this is all about supporting working class kids of color, right? We need great schools for working class kids of color, but then it's so punitive and so harmful to these students. It's a system that really does not take their well-being into account. They want them to take the STAR test, which isn't helping the kids right. either. So what, I, yes. I, don't, I don't really see how they understand the benefits of what the kids want. Yeah, and that's absolutely right. And so what we know about this A through F accountability system is it's almost exclusively based on star scores or star scores from one year to the next year. It's almost all star scores. And we know that's an unfair way to measure academic achievement, to measure student learning. 
in a pandemic, they're making children come back, students come back to do this in person. And it's, it's an unfair system. Um, yeah. Gotcha. Um, Phil says, Sarah has been very vocal about HIV pain it's associated during the pandemic, but the butts um, have a vested interest in pushing this slate. So how will you hold accountable, HEB accountable to paying their fair share of property taxes, especially since their corporate offices in D1, HEB, Zachary Frost, Newstar have had a pack since 1981 that contributes to who they want on the SAISD school board seems that the slate is backed by these special interests are they upset that the current board is reaching I don't know what the rest of it is uh Phil um but and that's very true because if you look at some of these uh campaign finance reports there are a lot of money coming from these packs um or HEB uh Zachary and things like that so uh what do you have uh to say about about that issue yeah so i'm a little confused he's not is he saying that we're backed by HEB or that the other candidates are backed by their pact cuz i'm um, not Board is reaching. Oh, are they upset that the current board is reaching out to other groups to partner with instead of keeping their monopoly? Okay. Um, so our slate is our slate is not backed by um, the HEB pact. Um, I actually don't know anything about that particular pact. That's not um, what we're backed by. But we do have a slate that you know recognizes that homeowners and renters are carrying a disproportionate burden tax burden for our our um schools that um the way that our our tax system is structured um the, we are paying more in property taxes than than um corporations and um from some of these new luxury developments that are coming in and so we know that homeowners and renters in in san antonio are are paying more than our fair share and that a corporates the corporate uh, corporations and um, and new development um, should be should be contributing as well. Um, and I think because looked it up here and it's called the uh, American Federation of Teachers Union Group um, and the Parent Pack. Um, it's that's what the uh, HEB or Charles Butt. Um, it says that uh, they. Oh, let's see here. This is from Texas Scorecard. Uh, Charles, but whose personal fortune comes H courtesy of HEB Grocery Store, started by his family, wants to deny parents the right to be more involved in their kids' education. His tool is promoted, promoting uh, wretched public policy. Is the parent pack. Um, so, I think we might need to look at that right and yeah. see what's going on. Um, obviously, yes, we're, you know with the 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 people that are working at those places i mean they're definitely amazing um but we also have to make sure we hold people like this accountable mm -hmm. you know i know heb has done a lot for for our state but we also make have to make sure that it's still being held accountable no matter who it is uh so definitely um I don't know if you have yeah. anything else to say about that specifically, but you know, I think you said that you would want to make sure that these people are being held accountable or uh, uh, paying their fair share of taxes, correct? Yes, that people are paying their fair share of taxes, and and yeah, that our community has a voice in decision making. I mean, that I 
I that is what I've, I've always been around is that parents, students, um, in, and broadly in our community have a role and a voice in, in shaping our, our district policy. Okay. Um, let's see here. As far as the, the star testing, um, what do you feel that, what do you think can be done to change the star testing? Um, a, a lot of the board, a lot of the either board members or candidates have, have said that, there's nothing that we can that you guys can do because your hands are tied. Um, mm. Is that true, or is there something else that that you can do? Yeah, I mean, so you know, we don't wake up tomorrow and and yeah. in star. Um, unfortunately, um, it is the policy context that we're working in, um, and it's it is frustrating that during a pandemic that our, our state leaders have said we're going to continue to go with STAR, um, I think of all times that we can maybe take a break <laughs> would be during a pandemic. And, and frankly, even our federal you know, leaders have said that as well. I mean, the Biden administration has not um, granted exemptions for, for schools to do standardized testing. And it's really frustrating. It's been frustrating for parents and, and students and educators um, across the country. We've been saying, you know, it, in a pandemic when, you know, half a million Americans have died um, and we are struggling economically and emotionally through this, that, you know, we're not going to exempt and, and take a break from star testing. Um, so, we, you know, we can advocate um, and 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 we're and continue to advocate with with state leaders to say like at this this year of all years we need to stop and we can reevaluate this moving forward. Um, there's also, you know, there's ways that we, you play in the system that you you have, but you can also publicly acknowledge that it isn't a fair system, and that is. Um, not something that you know our current board has done. They've you know really just talked about how great Star is, how great um, we're doing related to Star. We've invested and spent a lot of time doing computerized assessments like MAP um, and, and and talking about MAP scores. Um, and we don't have to emphasize that so much. Um, and those are some small steps. And then we can also just continue to work towards a larger vision and advocate advocate um, towards fair assessments, assessments that actually do uh, measure uh, student mm. learning. Yeah, definitely. Um, and actually, I think I brought up the article here. Um, all right, so um, this is in regards to um so does oh, he okay. does he put in into the san antonio alliance is that no no so the san antonio pack alliance pack money is money that comes from workers in the district so every month um teachers bus drivers food service workers uh, custodians all of those folks who are part of the union pay a small membership fee right a membership fee to their union and some of that money goes to to the pack but that is they that is the union's pack i think in the past um the uh, heb foundation or but um has supported 
the the candidates we're all running against um so i as far as i know i haven't received any money from heb and um i don't think that any you know we're running on we you know, we received support from the Alliance PAC, um, and then we received smaller dollar donations from community members. Hmm. So, I mean, okay, so with that, though, I mean, that that is a, a good question that's being brought up, though, is with the San Antonio Alliance being part of this this union and, and um, I guess, in a sense, HEB part of this, right, um, will, will you still hold them accountable though um as far as even though there's kind of like that's that same interest in the same i don't want to say special interest i mean but it kind of is a special interest because he's part of the alliance as well so i mean what guarantees do we have that you guys will and part of your whole slate um will hold hb accountable i guess is, the, is that question So, you know, I think running on the platform that we're running on that has been developed by students and community groups, families, um, and, and school workers, um, it's it's broader and it's bigger than just, uh, just the alliance. And so we are accountable to the entire community. Um, we are running with a commitment to that um, and absolutely expect to be held accountable to that and um and i would have it i wouldn't have it any other way i mean we that is when you run for public office and you ask people to, to, to vote for you you need to be held accountable to what what the community and and the constituents um call on you to do right and, and, but i i think there's also that 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 factor of not a lot of people pay attention to the school board races. So that's why a lot of times people feel like they can get away with certain, certain things. So that's, that's why I think it's, it's a big question, right? Um, because we don't know what's going on, right? We don't know where to find this information sometimes. And um, some people are just kind of getting through without being uh, <laughs> scrutinized in a sense. So I just yes. want to make sure that, 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 you know, if you guys are tied into the same network, you know, that we're still holding those people accountable, but also making sure that we're not giving them land use or, or, you know, making sure that we're not giving fa favors to a certain organization because they're part of the same alliance or partners. So, um, so are, you would do that, correct? As far as like making sure that that wouldn't happen or, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I, I mean, but so we have the endorsements of the Alliance. Hmm. The Alliance PAC is funded by workers in the district, not by anybody else. The other donations that we've received or that I've received have been small dollar donations from community members. Um, and so, um, there aren't, you know, there aren't big corporations funding any of our um, campaigns, and um, yeah, we, I, you know, part of the reason uh, being here 
is to have conversations about policy with the broader community and to talk about issues. So it isn't just, I want people to be informed. I want people to, to look at what's happening in their school and, and share what's happening within their communities and in, in their schools and so that their elected officials can, can represent them in that. Gotcha. Uh, Phil says the entire community, but the alliance is not funded directly by the residents, and 99% of the constituents don't know who the alliance is. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, you know, I. So the alliance is the union of school workers. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm a, I come from a union family, so I'm, I'm a proud union um, member, and so I think we should all. Um, support unions in their roles of, of creating spaces for workers to come together to fight for, um, you know, fair wage and safe working conditions. Um, so I don't see that those values are separate from the rest of us in the community. I've, so I've worked as a, a case investigator and contact tracer with the COVID response effort in San Antonio. And I have heartbreaking conversations with um, community members every day who just, who are going to work um, because they don't, who are sick and or possibly exposed and going to work because they don't have time off. And so there are broader issues that are going on with um, for workers' rights in our community that have directly infected us during this pandemic. So I think it's important to to recognize that fighting for the the rights of workers and supporting workers in our schools is not somehow separate or counter to to our broader community. They are they are tied hand in hand. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, I just, I just wanted to find out about that. Cause I, I know uh, I asked the other candidate as well. It was, there's Zachary is in part of some of this, this uh, thing. And so just trying to find out where the connections are, right. Why are these companies or corporations so invested into the school board yeah. districts? And yeah. And they're giving money to, to our opponents. So I think that is a good question, right? Mm -hmm. What, what do they have? What do they have at stake um, that they're, um, you know, that they're giving a lot of money to to the folks who are promoting community voice, student voice, <laughs> um, and supporting school workers? I, you know, I think that's a great question. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, thank you guys for those questions. <laughs> um, so as far as let me let me change topic here. What are your favorite top three favorite restaurants in the district or in the area that that's uh, that's around there? <laughs> oh gosh! Oh, and I have so many. <laughs> so I live in Lavaca, so we have a lot of uh, really good ones. Um, so like Taco Place down the street is uh, Las Tapatías de Jalisco, and that is like the Saturday morning taco run. Um, you know, and I friendly spot is is the neighborhood hangout and that's you know where you know we've gone to get together with friends for forever um and um yeah and so recently i think there's there's a new like um little pizza pizza truck in the neighborhood i think it's at pizzeria vesuvius and i'm really enjoying um their stuff right now it's very comforting food <laughs> um, <laughs> i like that i'm enjoying um good pizza and stromboli which um you don't often get right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely um all right so as far as with with covid and everything that was hap that's happening mm -hmm. um what are your plans or what what kind of direction would you like to see 
um, the schools opening up or, or how would everything fit uh, if you guys were to be elected or you would be elected? Mm-hmm. Um, what would your direction be? want to be go towards? Yeah, you know, so I have um, early on last year, I went, I think like July of last year, I was started working um, as part of a, a coalition at what we're having a reopening coalition with um, other parents and students and teachers, not just in SAISD, but broadly in all the districts, in the larger districts within San Antonio, actually quite a few of the major districts within San Antonio, to talk about, you know, how can we open safely um, and make sure that uh, we have spaces where we can ultimately have that goal of bringing kids back into the classroom safely. Um, and we pushed a lot of ideas, you know, like, better ventilation, outdoor classrooms, um, you know, alternating schedules, ways that we could be creative to make this work for our students. Um, The state really um, dropped the ball on this. The state um, decided basically we were going to open you know, try to open as normal as possible, as soon as possible, and really didn't give districts the supports and the guidance they needed uh, to be, uh, to have the creativity that they needed to do this well. And so what we, we, you know, we ended up with the opening that we had. And actually, so the only reason that we have any of the safety protocols that we really have in place that the state was requiring them was because of advocacy of students and parents and teachers calling the governor and calling TEA to fight for, you know, making sure that everyone had PPE, fighting for distancing in their classrooms and and um, allowing some flexibility of parents deciding whether to come back to school or not. It's not a great system. I don't think it's worked out for anyone this year. Um, you know, teachers are doing two very different jobs they're teaching remotely at the same time that they're teaching in the classroom um and students are even students who are in the classroom are learning on their devices um so it's a system where you know as a parent and talking to other parents it's just been like well this year has sort of been a wash and that's unfortunate because i don't think it had to be that way um if our state leaders had allowed more creativity and if i i think if our district leaders had pushed back a little bit more and been willing to fight a little bit more, we would have maybe had some more opportunity to be creative and figure out to make a, a, a school year that would work for everyone. Um, hopefully what it sounds like when I hear, you know, board members talking about the next year, they've absorbed some of those lessons um, and, and trying to do some of the policies that we were calling for last summer. But, um, you know, I, Hopefully it works out that most people can be back in the classroom next year and that we will have um, you know, schools that are safe for, for our students and our workers. Yeah, for sure. And here's the thing, too, is uh, with as far as with the private, the private schools and everything, um, I, it's, at Seton One, um, they were part of the charter schools and the question came about of, well, is there anything that the charter schools can do to help the public schools maybe with, with, um, their, uh, with their, uh, education and things like that, like their education materials, is there some type of partnership that can happen as far as not in court, not making it 
to where the public schools are private, but taking material from the private schools or charter schools and incorporating them into some of the public schools, um, do you think that would work? Or is that just something that Texas as a state government is just not going to do? Uh, you know, I don't know that it's necessary. And actually, I mean, the the landscape of our, of our charter networks is <laughs> um, actually, I would, um, I, you know, I think we have, well, okay, let me try this. I don't know that, that our charter networks necessarily have something to offer in that way to our schools. Um, you know, I was just having a conversation with someone about research showing how students are going sort of charter school hopping and then ending up back in the district and then having, um, um, having to be caught up in certain areas because they've gone to these specialized schools that have focused on certain certain aspects of learning and then left behind others and so then when they come back to a public school which a lot of our, our charter school students ultimately do we have to catch them back up because they spent time in, in sort of this focused curriculum so i'm not sure um what our, our charter schools would have to offer the district as far as curriculum, some of their curriculum is actually really, um, um, really narrow and really um, doesn't allow for uh, um, a lot of uh, autonomy of teachers. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I but but kind of like the like the idea schools, right? You mm -hmm. have the idea schools um, that have a really good uh college bound is it i think it's the idea schools that they have 100 percent um graduates so yeah can i explain to you how they do that yeah and i, <laughs> I do have a bit of an issue with some of that that a parent actually came up or she contacted me when i was running for office last year and there was something troubling that i was like wow really you know but yeah go ahead go ahead go ahead yeah, I mean so you so you technically you can't graduate unless you're accepted to college. So I guess we could do that to our students. I don't think I mean it's I, that that's you know, I don't think for public schools that that's what we want to do. The other piece is idea also has formed their own college. So if you are graduating from idea and you can't you don't get accepted to another school in order to graduate you can enroll into ideas college so i don't think that's the vision that we have when we talk about our students being ready and going off to higher education and when we talk about 100 percent college acceptance that that isn't the vision that that we have as a community for for that for our students yeah, definitely. And the experience that was ex exactly experience that happened, um, this lady contacted me uh, and she was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to call. Uh, my son is they're telling my son's not going to get his diploma because he changed his mind about going to college. He doesn't want to go because he, he feels like it would be a waste of time and a waste of money resources um, when it could go to somebody else. And they were basically holding on to his diploma. Um, I contacted a few people and um, they're like, well, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> like, well, yeah, it doesn't, but it's happening. Um, and so finally he had to settle on going to like a, a, 
like a community college or something, <laughs> something small, um, in order for him to get his diploma. And so I was like, well, that's that's kind of lousy, <laughs> you know. So yeah, it's something I think not a lot of people realize, especially with that. No. They don't want to tarnish their, uh, their you know, hundred percent graduation rate. <laughs> right, exactly. And then you start to say, okay, well, is this about students and what's best for them in their future? And we we should hold that not everyone is going to want to go to college or want to go to college right out of out of um, high school. You know, I'm I'm a stepmom to to someone who chose a different path. He's in college now, but it took him a few years. You know, he he needed a different pathway and and that's fine, right? That that's, you know, that's his agency as a human being to decide what's best for him. And so once we rob our students of that that ability to, you know, advocate for themselves and what they want and they they are truly the ones who know what's best for them. I mean, even even if they're young and they're, you know, um you know, brains still developing, they still have agency and a right to determine what's best for them. And and that's why when we talk about being student centered, that is recognizing that that students have that, um, yeah, should at very least decide whether they want to go to college right out of high school right. or not. Yeah, they have every right to, unless if it's dating, because they don't know, they don't know what they're doing <laughs> when they're dating. <laughs> I think we can all agree. <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing when we were that young and dating. <laughs> and that's, you know, it's it's part of growing up and, you know, it's being a parent, right? The whole process is just letting go. Letting go. <laughs> and, and fingers crossed that they, you, that they're, they will turn out okay. And they will. <laughs> they will. Right. It's like that, uh, that movie we were watching last night, 10 Things I Hate About You. He was like, she was going to go out to the prom. He's like, Wear the belly, <laughs> the pregnancy <laughs> belly. Like, <laughs> you have to know there's consequences. Yeah. Um, Brianna says, hi, Sarah. My question is, how does your experience as a parent inform your position as a public education advocate? Yeah, um, so I kind of st I started this work advocating at, for my my school um, and feeling so the district was um, proposing to so at Bonham where my my child goes to school they have a dual language program um, and then they have an English uh, program so they um, and the district said oh the English looks under enrolled we're going to get rid of it and we're just going to be solely a dual language class is what they were pushing for and as parents in the in the school saying, you know, it's important to us to keep this track. This track is the, the one track that's exclusively open to, to neighborhood kids. Um, it's a class, you know, some kids processing issues, um, just decide they don't want to, they don't necessarily want to do dual language. Um, and we need to have this space for neighborhood kids to be able to, to still attend their neighborhood school. And the district was fine with the idea of closing that track and sending those kids off to other schools. And that wasn't okay with us. And we had to push back and it was really, we were successful, but it was, it really, um, uh, opened my eyes to how hard that was to get that point across for district administrators who seem to know nothing about our school, nothing about our community, um, and they had the vision that we were supposed to get on board for. And so I saw that happening at my school. I um, Around that same time, Stewart Elementary was entered into a turnaround partnership with Democracy Prep, with which is an outside charter corporation with no community input um, at all. 
um, around that. And then soon after, that's when I connected with parents at Rodriguez that was being shut down with no community input of how they thought best to move forward. And so it, um, I was seeing the way that we, we as the folks who are in the schools, who have the knowledge and the experience to know what we need, um, we're being shut out of important conversations. And that's that's really the basis of that has been my the basis of my work um, since then. Gotcha. Um, as far as the budget goes, what I guess I'm and I'm going to kind of put y'all together since you are part of the the slate of candidates. So what what are what are y'all's vision for the budget, um, and what will you be trying to focus on specifically? So. I don't have a list of budget priorities. I want to hear what our community has for budget priorities. And so really the budget to me, the priority is setting up a public process so that we can have a public, you know, public budgeting. So people can talk about the issues that are important to them on their campuses, broadly um, in the community, and then create a budget document based on that process. And participatory budgeting happens in other places. Um, even within other school districts within Texas, there are some districts that do. It, it can be stronger, but they still do more than we do. I mean, our budget process is uh, you get a little Excel spreadsheet printout, and then you know, two weeks later, the board votes on a budget that you don't even it's it, it there's so no transparency whatsoever and um so yeah thinking about how can we involve more people into the budget process and determining what our priorities are and how do we how do we you know fund our schools equitably across the district so it, i mean and just a question because just trying to figure this out so i mean shouldn't shouldn't you guys know that already as part of Beanie Alliance, and if you guys are part of the the community, shouldn't you guys already know what you already want in the budget already going in? Uh, so I mean, I think we we hear you know bits and pieces, um, but I think you know really we have a responsibility to be open to to the broader community and recognizing you know, that there is always room for more discussion about this. Um, one of the issues though, I think really clearly as we do talk to people is wanting to know how funds are distributed across the district and are they being distributed equitably um, in our schools? And that is a question that um, we hear quite often from, from the community is, you know, are some schools getting more money than others? Why is that? you know, um, what is the spending? Some of this, the other questions that people have asked are these partnership um, management and partnership agreements that where where are these extra funds going? So we have questions from parents at these schools saying, well, we don't we don't see a material difference in our, our in our schools. This seems things seem the same. Teachers are still buying their own paper. Um, wh where is this money going? And so answering some of those questions um, will is you know a first step in this gotcha um phil brings up a point the alliance gave us the current board members except for garza uh, they also endorsed and supported the likes of james howard and tom lopez that sat on the board for 20 plus years how is the alliance offering anything different this time around if we have been in this situation because of their endorsements 
Uh, the platform. I mean, I say go check out our platform. That is the platform that we're running on. And I think that nothing like that has existed before in our in our community. So, um, I, you know, it's very, very much different from any any uh, school board election that I that I've ever <laughs> um, seen happen in our community. So um, that's that's the difference. OK. Um, as far as the the teacher pay, is there anything different that can happen um, to be able to make sure the teachers do get like the pay that they should deserve? Or is that something that's just, I mean, I guess kind of like you were saying is we don't know where the money's going to so we can get these people. Is there anything the school board can do to make sure teachers get paid adequately instead mm -hmm. of going to any overhead costs or any anything that should should not be necessary? So, you know, I think one of the first things that we can do this year or, yeah, is, as soon as possible is support a retention bonus for all of our school workers. So that's teachers, but also bus drivers and food service workers, folks who've been working really hard during this pandemic. Um, and I'm afraid that some of them are going to be so burnt out that they don't come back. And so we need to thank them for their work. Um, we haven't paid hazard pay to any of our um, classified workers during this time, and so or or teachers. Um, and so we can do a retention bonus, which is what other districts in in San Antonio have done. And I think that's an important way way to do that. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the the first things that we can do to to support our our workers in our district. Okay. Um, okay. So Phil has this to say: uh, deflection. Are you holding the alliance accountable for their poor decisions for the community in the past? Um. You know, again, we're running on a platform and the alliance, is, you know, as every organization and institution changes over time, um, uh, the the alliance says um, they are have decided to support this platform um, and be a part of, of a group that um, is pushing a different vision for education. And so, um, you know, I'm all for holding <laughs> All of our holding um, organizations and institutions accountable and have no problem um, speaking up when when things are going, um, when I feel that things people are doing things that are, are wrong. Even if it's your own, uh, like even if it's the, the, the alliance as well? Um, yeah, even if it's part of the alliance as well. I mean, I, you know, I was raised to speak truth to power. Um, and if I see that there are injustices and things that need to be addressed, I have absolutely no problem bringing that. And I expect that of, of the community to do to the elected officials as well. Okay. Um, and then how will the alliance slate defund SASD police or are they also part of the alliance? Um, so the platform that we're running on really does look at ending um, the role of police in in um, disciplinary issues on campuses, and that's actually a state law. Like the the state actually says that school police are not to be involved in um, in uh, disciplinary issues at schools, um, and that's not being some, that's not something that's necessarily being adhered to right now. And I think that's something that we as a board should um, take a look at and make sure that we're in compliance with state law. Okay. 
And then I guess, uh, will you hold the SAISD police to the same accountability or will you turn a blind eye to the law enforcement issues on campus? So, you know, our students have expressed concern about over-policing at their campuses. Um, and that's something I take very seriously. And I think we follow the lead of the students that they describe their experiences and we look for policies to make sure that they feel safe and supported at their campuses. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, um, is there any other things that you would like to say about your, your campaign um, or anything that maybe you would like to discuss that we didn't cover already? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we covered the gamut of a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, I, what I want to, to, I think, close with and leave with is, you know, we talk about public schools and public education. This is a public good. It's something that um, we all have ownership over and a right to have a um, a say in in how things are going. And actually, and I also say we have an obligation to, to participate and to be informed um, and, and to show up for our young people and our, our future. So um, I am fully committed to the public piece of public education. Awesome. All right. Well, how can people get a hold of you, donate, volunteer, whatever it is? <laughs> yeah. So on the um, on the uh, website that I shared earlier with our platform, it actually has a link to each of our uh, each of the candidates' um, information. Um, who are running on this on this slate on this platform? So if folks want to take a look at the schools our students deserve. Um, platform website they can also then link to my own um uh my own page um they can also people can email me at um sarah which is s-a-r-a-h here let me, the uh, number let oh me yeah sorry <laughs> okay uh the number four and then s-a-i-s-d and the number one and at gmail.com on the bottom um, yeah. and I'll just put it on here All right and then uh, are you seeking donations volunteers or anything like that yes donations volunteers so um, donations I think when you link to when you go to the our, the schools our students deserve website and click on my link to my page will um, there is a link to my Act Blue um, account, so folks can donate through that. Um, I'm not sure if my uh, volunteer link is up there, but if you email me, I can get you the volunteer link. We, you know, we do weekly block walks, we do weekly phone calls, so there's opportunities to to get involved that way. Um, also, just having conversations with friends and neighbors um, and family um, who are in District One or in any of the other districts. If you support these candidates, are you know the candidates and the the, the vision that we're we're running on, um, share that widely within the community. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Sarah, for, for, for just having this conversation. And, and thank you, everybody, for watching and being engaged and asking these tough, tough questions. Because, I mean, they are some questions that we need to make sure that we we have. And um, 
and so yeah definitely thank you for coming on uh and also the viewers that are watching uh if you would also like to donate to to this live stream as well um you can do so by following the uh cash app down below um this is all just voluntary i'm just i'm not doing this with, with anybody else so uh if you'd like to donate as well please do so and uh or send me a message and um but thank you everyone for joining and um I don't think we, I don't think we're gonna have any more uh, interviews this week, but for sure next week as well. Uh, we're still hitting some city council candidates, <laughs> um, and uh, so yeah, so definitely make sure you you stay tuned to that and um, make sure you stay engaged and ask these questions. So, but thank you everybody for joining. Thank you, Sarah, and and have an awesome day. Thanks. Bye. It was great speaking with you.